from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's fair that I have been tough at times on certain franchises. I was certainly tough on the Lakers going into the playoffs. For the last several years, I've been tough on the Knicks. Every time the Knicks have the opportunity to sign somebody, I hear fans say, well, they should want to go there, to which I roll my eyes constantly because most guys playing in the NBA today don't even remember when the Knicks were relevant. I've said for years, the Knicks are not a destination. I'm willing to stand up right now and say that has changed and it's changing right now. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, hear me out, because the first time I went on my Knicks rant, we weren't uh, we weren't working on radio together every day. And it's mm-hmm. not that I, like, I personally love Madison Square Garden. I have it tattooed on my right arm. Is the, my right arm is everywhere. Oh, uh, I the, know it, that. It's the things I've done in my life that I'm proudest of. Uh, I used to scrounge together the little change I have when I was at Juilliard and I would go as a little kid. I would go to Madison Square Garden to watch Rangers and Knicks games with whatever lunch money I had. So when we played the Garden sold out, it was one of the the most incredible nights of my life. Uh, I have the Madison Square Garden logo as part of my skyline on my right arm. I love the Garden. I just think for the last generation, the Knicks have been so basically useless to the conversation of great basketball. No offense to your brother. I know he played there as a first-round pick. But it it lost its luster as that spot that free agents look at and say, got to go play for the Knicks, got to go play for the Knicks. Because we see guys constantly pick other teams. Like, the Knicks aren't remembered as being a great basketball team anymore. You're shaking your head, violently disagreeing with me. No, I think think James Dolan is that sole reason. I I don't think Madison Square Garden – no, no, no. I, Is that reason? Well, and you're right. I'm not blaming the Garden. I was just there, and I love the Garden. I just think the Knicks organization as a franchise has lost its we're going there. And you're right. Dolan's a big part of that. Yeah. Just being bad for 20 years. Like, this just happens, right? Like, you got to yeah, see the magic of it to see, like, you got to see it really rebuild itself to be what it was like when, when we were kids, right? When we were kids, the but, but, Knicks but I, hit I'll tell you this, though. I, I went to a game last year, and the Knicks weren't good, a good team last season. And um, actually, Alan Hahn, me and Alan Hahn went together, and they were playing the Chicago Bulls. Nothing to play for. They were one of the worst teams in the league. That re- arena was still packed out, and the support that those players were getting at that time was still phenomenal. And I, I've been to Madison Square Garden thousands of times because my brother played there, right, for right. three seasons. So being able to, you know, witness the mecca, you know, the basketball icon when it comes to arenas – uh, was a phenomenal thing for me for three seasons. And I, there were moments where I got to see I got to see Lynn Sanity. I got to see uh, Carmelo play there. I got to see my brother, as I mentioned already, Tony Douglas. So it, it was a thing of beauty. Now the Knicks are winning, and I can just only imagine how Madison Square Garden was yesterday, man. But you see the stars. They're, they're going to show up and show out um, and support their team when they lose, but they're also going to support their team and over, overly do it when they win. Well, and that's, I mean, the version that I grew up around the Knicks was a team that was uh, incredible, right? And always part yeah. of the the forefront of the conversation because the history of the Knicks and the history of the Garden and the way it works. 
they've been bad for so long, people forget that. Uh, not not New Yorkers, but like just people all over the country don't, you know, it, it's like it's not as present. Free agents don't sit there and say, oh, my God, I have to go to New York. All it takes is one great run, and that changes, right? So I think part yep. of this, Jalen Brunson having, you know, family history around the organization, having, you know, that, that tie-in made it uh, appealing to him. But then on top of it, then you see this playoff run. They have a 3-1 series lead right now over Cleveland. And you see the magic of it. That's why I think this is a transcendent moment. This is bigger than just getting a playoff series win. This is the sort of thing that catapults everybody and a generation of kids that may not remember the Ewing days as like what the Ewing days were. You know, there's a reason there's a magic to the Knicks. It's a magic to the fans who are like wildly passionate. It's a magic to the garden. It's a magic to the history in the building when you feel it. Like it's a magic to the celebrity that comes out. Like all of that has to come together. I think that's what's happening right now. Watching the Knicks go on this one lead it feels like this is the corner that you turn as an organization that now all of a sudden it becomes a little higher in the mindset for players that might be 23 24 and don't remember when the Knicks were always like this no I agree with you 1000 percent and I think the greatest thing that happened to this basketball team was getting Jalen Brunson and what I want people to stop doing is saying well you know we have Jalen Brunson but you know Donovan Mitchell should have been a New York Knicks I don't want to hear that nonsense anymore Because right now, Jalen Brunson is up 3-1 in this series, and Donovan Mitchell is on the opposite of the opposing sidelines or on the court, on the opposing uh, team's court. But when I say this, you look at the game yesterday, Donovan Mitchell didn't have his best game, but guess who did? Jalen Brunson scoring 29 points and hitting clutch basket after clutch basket and also adding six rebounds and six assists. He's just brought a different aura Back to Madison Square. I was going to say a different. He just bought the aura back to Madison Square Garden. I agree totally. And I think one of the best things they did was trading for Josh Hart, a guy that Jalen Brunson is very, very close to. But inserting him in the starting lineup because Grimes was out yesterday, you talk about someone who stepped up tremendously, scoring 19 points, and then the hustle plays time and time again. R.J. Barrett in this playoff series – is, is living up to the, the draft pick that he uh, was when they drafted him in the first round. And I think for R.J. Barrett, when you, when you have a, a Jalen Brunson, when you have a Julius Randle who's still dealing with that ankle injury, you know, your shots are going to be limited. So when you do have them, you've got to make the best of it. But with Ju- uh, Julius Randle being hurt and not able to, you know, put forth his best efforts, I think it has allowed R.J. Barrett to really come out of a shell and show people what he really can do in this playoffs. Because he has been consistent in this playoff series and came up big yesterday for this team. Well, and to that end, I think one of the things that's really been great with RJ is that they've been patient with him. And I don't mean patient in production, because he's had that, uh, I think, since since he got to the league. But there have been several times where it feels like uh, people have been yelling, well, trade, 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 and RJ can be part of that. Instead, they've let RJ continue to just develop into who he is right now. And you talk about he averaged 19.6 during the course of the regular season. Think about that. Like, that's huge. When in 20 last year, so now you have back to back years where he's been able to find his rhythm scoring points for a team, even when what he's being asked to do changes a little bit. Like, I, I feel like there is this young sort of core of stars that, that have the yes. opportunity for the Knicks. And that's but, why this. this and the f- greatest part, though, Fitz, he's 22 years old. Yep. 22. So he has a lot of basketball in his career to play. And I think he's just getting started. And I think it's kind of a coming out party in this playoffs for him to let the New York faithful know that I am that guy. Y'all can't count on me. 
especially when you talk about the fact that they have a 3-1 lead in a series where you know, Julius Randle has not played particularly well in this playoff series. Hasn't given him a lot of points. Uh, didn't have a particular. You know, that, that they they didn't get what they expected to get there. Didn't shoot particularly well either. So the fact that that hasn't held them back. You mentioned Hart coming in. It just feels like there's this magical little core of guys, and there's also magic yep. to the vibe. Like I, I I mocked it a little bit, but I saw all the videos of social media of Knicks fans just absolutely in the streets, like they just won a championship. And I understand that, you know, this is a first-round playoff series, so let's calm it down a little bit. But also, let's not, because that's what Knicks fans are. Like, I, I, I've I, made the joke several times that the great thing about playing for the Knicks is if you win, you are a hero. The bad thing about playing for the Knicks is if you have a bad game, the guy that sells you a slice of pizza is going to, you know, MF you all the way out the door. So, like, that's part of what comes with playing for the Knicks, right? Like, this yep. franchise. So, I'm with you. I think that instead of worrying about what you didn't get, you worry about what you got right now. And you've got building blocks around this team that looks like it could be very good. And I, I got to give the front office credit, though, because, you know, I think it was two years ago when they played Atlanta in the first round and Atlanta, you know, beat the New York Knicks. I think what was identified is that, you know what, we need a point guard. And how many times, Fitz, do I got to have this conversation about point guard play when it comes to playoff basketball? It's very key and it's vital in the game. It, it, it is. And you see yep. Jalen Brunson, that guy that got their guy, Stop trying to look at Donovan Mitchell and all these other people that you can embrace the guy that you have and what he's doing for your team and your organization in this moment. And he's not shying down or backing down from any part of it either. He's embracing it. So I think, you know, fans should embrace that as well. I always look at franchises that at one point were destination places. And it doesn't take a lot. It takes one person. One person that cares a lot about the history, where it's been, where it's going. One person that you can build around. One person that's a star guys want to play around. I don't care what, what sport we're talking about. If you want legacy franchises to be the best of who they used to be, it takes one person that embodies that. I feel like right now, like, Jalen Brunson's that person. You know, and that's and he that's cares. the most Yeah. He cares about basketball. He cares about the organization. His father, Rick Brunson, is on the staff. I think he's been a phenomenal addition. But shout out to Tibbs, though. You know, yeah. their head coach. Tibbs, uh, you know, sometimes when you're an older type of coach and you do things one way, you have to self, you know, identify and be self-aware of some things that you may need to do differently. Tibbs is still a hard-nosed coach, and he has these teams, this team playing like hard-nosed basketball, man. Well, and Evan, our producer, just pointed out in my ears as I made that comparison for Brunson being that guy. Like, it's a little bit like the Joe Burrow effect. Like, Cincinnati can be forgotten for anything they've ever done until suddenly you get a Joe Burrow. Jalen yep. Brunson could be that Burrow for the Knicks. And, man, I'm telling you, as much as people want to yell about East Coast bias, if the Knicks are even just a little bit good – that people are going to go nuts. It, it's fun to watch this team right now in this playoffs. So it'll be fun to see how far they can go throughout the course of it. We'll keep you updated. But coming up, one of the NFL's best franchises is flying under the radar this offseason. Coming up, we'll tell you what they will do in the draft. Fitz and Harry next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The 2023 NFL Draft. Live from Kansas City's historic Union Station, it all begins with round one. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock. Thursday at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
2023 NFL Draft. Live from Kansas City's historic Union Station, it all begins with round one. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock. Thursday at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's the single greatest mock draft in the history of mock drafts. Why? Because it's on this show. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. By now, you know the drill. But just in case you don't, in case it's the first time you've ever hung out with us for the mock draft, let me explain to you what we're doing. We have called in celebrities. We've called in superstars. We've called in smart people that cover the teams, that know the teams. We've got fanatics. We've got brilliance. All of these things. Each person is responsible for their team's pick. Remember, they cannot make trades. That is the one thing. And every one of them thinks that so far, I feel like every damn person we've called has been clever by saying, well, I wish I could have traded the pick. Yeah, I know you wish you could have, but you can't. So, knowing that, we are now, I can't believe it, we've already made it halfway through. By the way, you can check Harry Douglas and myself along with Andrew Hawkins, along with Spencer Hall, along with uh, Field Yates. We will be hanging out. Uh, Harry Lyles. And, and Harry Lyles. I always forget one. Uh, we will be hanging out for every pick of the first, second, and third round of the draft on digital. So watch us That's on right. uh, the ESPN app, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. All right, it's time for the chimes. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock. So for that, we get Chris Carlin from Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio. By the way, Carlin also anchoring ESPN Radio's draft coverage. Don't want to miss it. Carlin's got the pick. With the 17th pick in the 2023 Fitz and Harry mock draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers select Broderick Jones. Offensive tackle, Georgia. Mel Kuyper Jr. Player profile. Yeah, Jones checks in at 6'5 and a half, 311 pounds with incredibly long arms. Ran 499 at the combine in his 40-yard dash. Mean, nasty. When he locks onto a defensive end, he will destroy you. The issue is consistency in terms of technique, both in run blocking situations and pass protection. He gets the right offensive line coach. He can be destined to have a consistent and a steady Pro Bowl career in the National Football League. The Steelers' offensive line improved a bit last year, but it has been a disaster overall over the last couple of years. Broderick Jones will be the anchor of that offensive line at the tackle spot for years to come. Back to you, haircut. Haircut? Haircut? (laughs) Wow. You know what? At least I have hair. Shoosh. I'm talking about, man. The only hair that Carlin. Oh, uh, never mind. Never mind. Uh, I'll be nice. Uh, Harry, what do you think of this one? I uh, love this p- uh, pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're getting a guy that's very, very strong. When I mean strong, you heard Mel just say it. He will demolish you once he gets his hands on you. He's quick out of his stance. A two time national champion, back to back, to be exact. Uh, I would say also did not allow a sack in 2022. That is very pivotal. You're going to be blocking for uh, Kenny Pickett. That's what you want. They brought over a guard from the Eagles, Alex uh, Isaac uh, Samello. So now you have two guys in one offseason that you added to the offensive line, something that the Pittsburgh Steelers have needed for the last three or four years. I'm going to give you a strange analogy on this. Are you ready for an interesting tidbit on Broderick? An interesting tidbit is that no offensive tackle in this year's draft played fewer snaps in their college career than he did. So, this is the only thing I'm saying. He reminds me a little of Anthony Richardson in the sense that the film is great on him. 
but there's a limit to it. He does not have as much film as some of the other guys. So it feels like he's it's one. It, it is very Anthony Richardson like. Like he's got all of the tools that you want, but man, he needs to go somewhere where he's going to be coached up and get a bunch of reps. I think so. Uh, well, that's that, that's very imperative. Uh, that's very important. Uh, when you when you when you have a guy that's raw, and I won't say he's raw because you know he did play a lot this season for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, you do want, want to make sure that the right coaching is in place to coach him up the proper way and not just, you know, have him go by the wayside. Yeah, 100%. But I do love that pick for the Steelers. All right, that means it's time for pick 18 and time for the chimes. All right, so the Detroit Lions are back on the clock. Remember, the Lions already picked at six. So now we've got Daniel Dopp coming back again to pick at 18. With the 18th pick of the 2023 NFL Draft, your Detroit Lions select defensive tackle Kalijah Kansi out of Pittsburgh. One pride, baby! Dale Kuyper Jr., player profile. You know, he draws comparisons to Aaron Donald, former Pitt Panther, great player in the NFL. Can Kalijah Kansi duplicate that? Probably not, but he ran great, 4-6-7. Will be better than Aaron Donald. Doesn't have the arm length of Donald, but I'll tell you, was really effective over the last two years. Getting into the backfield, wreaking havoc. He is the ultimate three-technique defensive tackle. All right, Harry, what do you think of Kansi as the pick here? I love the pick, especially to pair up with Aiden Hutchinson and James Houston, the two pass rushers that they already have there in Detroit. Defensively, that's what the Lions need. More guys on the pass rusher. They address the need in the secondary uh, uh, within free agency. But also a guy that's explosive, uh, a series of pass rush moves. You heard Mel say he ran the four six seven at a D-tackle position. Anytime you're compared to a guy like Aaron Donald, I think you have a bright future coming up. Yeah, and look, I can't find a single flaw with this pick. Wherever he yep. is picked, I love this. And I know people keep telling me he's short. I, I saw one. I read one. Uh, one description of him as stubby. I'm not going to describe somebody that can like absolutely break me in half with their pinky toe as stubby. Uh, I don't care about any of that. You want to talk? You mentioned the explosiveness. I would challenge anybody to go back and just watch a little bit of his tape, just a little bit of his tape, because he's a disruptor in everything yep. that he does. Uh, this is a this is a beautiful draft pick. And by the way, at 18, I think is a hell of a value. If there's a name out there that I think teams will trade down to try and still get, it is Kalaja. I think this this yep. pick makes a ton of sense at 18. And I, if you're looking at picks 11, 12, 13, and the guy that your team loves isn't there, I would not be surprised for teams to try and trade down to this range where they can still get Kalijah Kansi. I, well, I love this pick. I, I don't think a lot of people understand how hard it is to get sacks as a defensive tackle, especially when you're playing a three technique. you got to be damn good. you got to be good with your hands. you better be good with your leverage. The last two years, he's had 14 sacks, seven sacks in each, each of the seasons, so that lets you know whatever deficiencies that you're worried about, not to be worried about because he understands how to play the game of football and how to get to the quarterback. He also wasn't getting a ton of help on that Pittsburgh defensive line compared to what some people get, right, and still bust through those doubles. I mean, it's just it, – it, it's pretty wild to watch him move the line of scrimmage backwards, right? So uh, absolutely love that pick for Dopp. So uh, Dopp at this point will have gotten Witherspoon at 6 and Kalijah Kansi at 18 like – that is, you want to talk about a team in the Lions that knows that they've got a couple weaknesses going in and saying, hey, we are going to address those weaknesses. 
golly, that would be a hell of a haul for the Lions. I I, 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 I think we would see if those are the two picks for the Lions in the first round of the draft, Harry, we're, we're talking about them different by Friday morning. Well, and I think that's where they want to go. They want to focus on the defensive side of the ball because that's where they were lacking last season. You had some bright spots, but you added to your secondary free agency. Within this mock draft right here, you took Weatherspoon. Now you uh, you took you take Cansey. You're addressing needs on your football team because one thing they're going to be offensively is physical. They're going to run the football, but now you want that defensive line to kind of mirror your offensive line. All right, so we will obviously keep you updated on every pick on uh, with each other on the digital platforms. Also, you can hear every pick on ESPN Radio. Uh, interesting to see what the Jameson Williams uh, suspension also means for the Lions draft strategy. A lot that will go in to this weekend for Detroit, a team that you know I'm very high on. So let's see how that plays out. It's Fitz and Harry uh, presented by Progressive Insurance. Speaking of the draft, is one quarterback really free-falling or is this just a media narrative? We'll talk Uh-oh. to an expert about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one. Thursday on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one. Thursday on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Every single pick in the NFL Draft will be covered by ESPN across all of our platforms. You can watch it on ESPN, including watching our next guest, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst Matt Miller, will be a superstar on the TV side. You can watch him hang out there. You can also hang out on ESPN Radio, where every pick will be coming at you. Candy and Carlin going to be doing God's work there. I won't call Carlin haircut, as he just called me in the last segment, because, <laughs> I mean, doesn't have any hair. All right, I'll just say it. Uh, and then, of course, Harry Douglas and I will be hanging out with a dream crew on all your digital platforms, ESPN app, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we'll be having a good time there. We'll be there for the first two days of the draft. So you can hang out and get all of your draft content everywhere. Matt Miller joins us now, ESPN NFL draft analyst. And, Matt, usually we start these things with a, just a question that leads to a whole interview. I want to do this a little differently. I want to start this with a discussion, a philosophical discussion. I'm going to bring you and Harry both into this right out of the gates. I didn't tell either of you so I was going to do this, but I've been texting with Dan Orlovsky today, and I'm trying to wrap my head around a concept because if anybody's watched Orlovsky, we all know that he is in love with Anthony Richardson, which makes a ton of sense. But part of the reason he's in love with Anthony Richardson is because, frankly, if you just look at the ceiling, the best of the best, he believes that Anthony Richardson is the only quarterback in this year's draft class that at his best is at a Mahomesian type level, like can give you that level of return. So my philosophical question to you, Matt, is like when you have a ceiling floor debate, do you just throw out the 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 tape that we have on somebody like CJ Stroud because the best of the best of Anthony looks like it could be so good? Yes, I think you do. Honestly, if not for every team, 
and that's the that's the thing. And I love Orlovsky; he's great at what he does. And I think he would even say that. And not for every team. There are some teams where you don't have the structure, you don't have the environment to do a Josh Allen plan or a Patrick Mahomes plan or a Jalen Hurts plan. You don't have that. You know, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you don't have that right now. Um, if, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, I don't think you have that right now. But there are, are certainly teams where that's going to make sense. And Indy, maybe I shouldn't say Indy, because I think they have the right head coach in, in Shane Steichen to do something like that. But they don't have the they don't have the if we think about like what Jalen Hurts has or the way Buffalo built around Josh Allen or what Mahomes had from a coaching standpoint and a talent standpoint, it really eased that transition. So I'm a big Anthony Richardson fan as well, not as much as Dan is, but I am a big fan and do think that that is part of the conversation of, okay, well, we know where C.J. Stroud is right now. We know where Will Levis is right now. We know where Hendon Hooker will be once he's healthy. We, we don't know where Anthony Richardson is because he's been working his tail off since the season ended with a great private quarterback coach who's really helped his his mechanics a lot. So we, we don't know where he's at. And I think that's some of the fun, but it's also some of the risk, which is why you know he could be the fourth quarterback off the board Thursday night. Well, I would say from my perspective, I think you do throw it all out the door um, because when you look at Anthony Richardson, and I truly feel this way, that he has an opportunity to become the best quarterback of this draft class because of the mm-hmm. intangibles. And when you look at his skill set and what he brings to the game, you talk about arm strength, power, speed, uh, being able to break tackles. Uh, so when you look at all those things, and then especially if he ends up in the AFC and you look at everyone he's going to be going up against and competing against the next few years, you've got to have that guy who's an outlier who can do things that not everybody else can do on a football field. Now, if he has the right infrastructure and the right coaches and people around him coaching, coaching him up in the right supporting cast, uh, I, I think uh, things will be great for Anthony Richardson in his future. So let me, let me jump in here real quick, though. I, I'm just going to admit my scarred fandom here, right? Because I spent 20 years watching the draft as a fan before I was lucky enough to get to cover it. How many times did I watch the Raiders pick somebody because of the measurables or because of, like, the, the, the potential could be there, and then that person just sucks, and then we come back and say, well, why didn't you watch the tape? How do I ignore tape on C.J. Stroud that does not suck? That, that, like, Matt, that's my hard part of this. Yeah, and again, that's where I think you have to have that right ecosystem for a work in progress like a Richardson. Uh, really, like I think that is why you have to know your your setup. And for all the like, I mean, so for you as a Raiders fan, and I apologize that we're going to go down this path, but you know, you you have you've had to go through Jamarcus Russell, you've had to go through Cleveland Farrell, you've had to go. Okay, well, we drafted these guys because of a number on a spreadsheet, not because of the film. I think with Anthony is it's the idea that the film is there are times that film is good guys. I mean, good Utah game. Amazing. The Georgia game was really good. I'll make Tennessee, the Tennessee one, right? Tennessee was good. There's a two point conversion pass against Utah. That is the best two point conversion pass you will ever see in your life. And I know that's like, I'm kind of saying that tongue in cheek, but I mean, he like does like a three jump, three sixty pump fake, shrugs off a dude, is about to get tattooed by another, and throws a perfect pass into the end zone. So I think that you can look at the tape, Jason, and be like, gosh, there's some bad games out there. There are. You know, Kentucky game wasn't very good. Um, that happens. Uh, I think the Florida State game wasn't that good either. But then there are also times you're like, I, there's like four people in the NFL doing some of the things that he does. And that's where you get excited because you, you've seen those glimpses. And he's a great dude. 
That's the other side of it. He's 20 years old. He's smart. He's a hard worker. He knows he has to get better. There's no ego here where he's like, no, I'm the, you know, I'm the next Cam Newton. I don't have to work. It's not like that with him. And I think that's, you start to put all that together and you can get pretty excited about it. I think another thing that stood out for me is his, his freshman year when he's raw, right? And you see the game against South Florida and you say to yourself, like he only threw, I think, like three or four passes, but they were all completed for 100-something plus yards. And then he ran for over 100. And it was just explosive play after, after explosive play. And during that year, I kept saying to myself, okay, I, I, I want more. Like, I need him to play. You know, he got nicked up a little bit that year. But I just think when you look at the intangibles and you look at what things could be, of course it's going to be risk-reward. It's going to be pros. It's going to be cons. But I think when you look at what he brings to the table, if the infrastructure and things around him are correct, then the sky, the sky can be the limit for whichever football team and also for him. So, Harry, let me ask you that. I'm going to follow up with Harry here real quick. If you were a GM of the Texans, because we all presume Bryce Young is going to go one. If you were the GM of the Texans and you could take C.J. Stroud with all the safe film that we have on C.J. Stroud or Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson with the highlights that we have on him that some look great, which, which direction are you going? Me, personally, I'm going with C.J. Stroud. Matt, which way would you go? Stroud there. If I'm Houston, C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I think there's, there's different pressures in different places. Again, like, you know, you – for Kansas City, you have to have that Alex Smith with Andy Reid and also a, a young GM and Brett Veach who took over right after that draft who can say, all right, we're willing to make this investment. We're willing to be patient. And there's going to be some places where that's going to work and there's others where it's not. So I think that that's a huge key to wherever Anthony goes Thursday night is. I really hope he goes somewhere where they're going to – I'm not saying he can't play right away, but just somewhere where they're going to be patient with the bumps and bruises. We throw quarterbacks out after like six games now if they're not good. He's not that. That's not him. We have to give him time to find out what he can become. So what does all of this mean for C.J. Stroud, for Anthony Richardson, and, of course, for Will Levis? We're going to make Matt stick around with us. We're going to keep breaking down what you need to know for the draft next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Brought to you by Wendy's $3 Breakfast Deal. NFL Draft. So you're ready for the draft. Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one. Thursday on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Matt Miller's hanging out with us. You can watch Matt on the TV broadcast of the NFL Draft on Saturday. We're going to get straight to it. I don't want to waste any of Matt's time. We're talking about quarterbacks here. We just had a long conversation. If you missed it about C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, check it out in the podcast. So, Matt, now that we've broken a little bit of that down and we're looking at the way the draft is actually going to play out, trying to avoid Lions season right now, what, what do we think is real for Will Levis? Where does he fall in all this? He's the one that is hard to figure out. I, I've talked to folks connected to the Indianapolis Colts. They say uh, that could be the spot for him, but I think that's probably in a world where C.J. Stroud has come off the board already. So Levis is a tough one to figure out. All the quarterbacks are tough, let's say that. Not just Will Levis. They're all tough because you start to think 
someone that we're not expecting has to grab that quarterback. Maybe that's Seattle or Detroit at five and six. Maybe they're the ones that do it. Maybe it's your Raiders at seven. It's like who's going to be the team that surprises us and unexpectedly takes a quarterback because they fell? I think somewhere between five and ten, because Tennessee at eleven, I think would take one. Is is that sweet spot of someone surprising us? So let me hone in on this a little bit closely, a little bit more, Matt. So let's just say hypothetically, you when you look at five, let's just say Jalen Carter is taken by the Seahawks, and you still have two quarterbacks on the board, right? The Raiders are probably going to take one. I don't believe the Lions will just because they need so much defensively. Um, but the Raiders and the Falcons, especially the Raiders, the Raiders probably will take a quarterback there if, if one of those guys are available. But the Falcons at eight, what, what are the chances that they would take a quarterback at eight if, if, if one's available? Harry, if it were me, I would do it. If it's them, I don't know that they will. I think the problem right now is they have they've been telling free agents. Desmond Ritter's our guy. Uh, They've said, hey, we're not interested in Lamar Jackson. They did sign Taylor Heineke, who has started before uh, when he was in Washington. So you've got Ritter, you've got Heineke. I think they'll add a quarterback at some point in this draft, but it feels like that's going to be like day three, not round one. So the beauty of the draft is anything could happen. And sometimes there's a scenario that you're not – maybe you didn't think – was. maybe you never thought C.J. Stroud would be there at eight, and he is, and you've got to say – Hey, here's our grade on C.J. Stroud. It's higher than, than Desmond Ritter. So we gotta we got to pull the trigger on it, which is why you do all the work. It's why you evaluate every player, just in case and, that situation happens. But I would be surprised if Atlanta took one. Now, here here's where it really gets a little hairy, no pun intended, hairy with an I, <laughs> not two R's. Um, you have Chicago at nine. We know they're not going to take a quarterback. You have the Eagles mm-hmm. at 10. We know they're not going to take a quarterback. Now one falls into the lap of the Tennessee Titans. How crazy would that be? It's going to be, I hope it happens. It's going to be crazy. It's, it's so needed. Tannehill's going to be 35. Malik Willis did not play well last year when given opportunities. So I, I hope this happens because here's what I want to happen. I want the Houston Texans to pass on a quarterback. And then I want the Colts to draft one, and I want the Titans to draft one. And I want those two young men to say, that team passed on us, and we get to play them twice a year. So if you're Houston, you're going to hand your division rivals franchise quarterbacks or, or starter level quarterbacks and that will be so fun to watch play out over the next four years of did Houston get it right or did the Colts and Titans get it right if they end up with quarter the Colts are going to end up with a quarterback but if the Titans end up with one as well that's what could be fun from this is not only did you pass on a quarterback you let your division rivals get one so and Tennessee would be my team if I had to pick one team that would trade up to number three overall with the Arizona Cardinals I would say Tennessee because Again, I mean, this is an old team. Derek uh, Henry turns 30 this year. Tannehill turns 35. Why not? Like, go for broke. You've got a great head coach that has consistently put this team in the playoffs with not a great roster. Are you ever going to be this early again in the draft? So I think the Titans are one of those teams that, yeah, swing the bat a little bit. Go get your guy. Also, for everyone listening, do not forget that the new general manager for the Arizona Cardinals, Monty Osenfort, was with the Tennessee Titans, so you have that connection there as well. When you yep. talk, when you talk about the GMs and the trading, it just it makes me think of how unpredictable all of it is. Matt, is there somebody that you've seen mocked a ton of times that you don't you aren't confident you think they they might fall? Not not just quarterback, but is there somebody in the first round that you think we're overvaluing right now? Um, not necessarily. I feel like you know if you look at a bunch of mock drafts, like 
Look at Todd's, Mel's, mine. You're going to see the same 31 names for the most part mixed around. The one I have the hardest time finding a spot for um, is Kalaja Kansi, the, the smaller D tackle from Pitt. Now, I still think there's a good chance he goes top 31, but it's kind of those scenarios of like, okay, if Detroit doesn't take him at 18, where does he go? You know, who's going to value a 6'1", 280-pound D tackle? Not a lot of teams are going to do that. So he's the one player where I could see a scenario that maybe he slips and we're looking at a, a guy on Friday morning of, oh, my gosh, we all had him in the first round of our mock drafts because he was such a good player, but he fell. And, and you have to almost hop on TV and say, well, here's why he fell. You know, we didn't get a run on defensive linemen. He's a little undersized, but he'll be off the board really, really quickly on day two. So who's the one guy that's projected a second rounder that could potentially go in the first round in your eyes, Matt? I would have said Hendon Hooker if we had talked a week ago. <laughs> the quarterback from Tennessee is the, the one guy. I mean, I think he'll be drafted in the top 25 as of this point. If I had to take one, I'll say this is a great question. I'll take Felix uh, Anaduke Uzoma from Kansas State, the defensive end. And he's probably a fringe guy. I think I had him at like right at 32 on my board. But I don't see him consistently in the first round, which is unfortunate because he's just a really talented player. Plays tough, very physical, great production. You know, three year, two year starter. Excuse me. He had 20 sacks in the last two years. Just six four, two fifty five. Um, he's from Kansas City. I would not be surprised if the Chiefs just grab him at thirty one, put him opposite George Karloftis, and and have something really special built in two drafts to have two starting defensive ends. The most important thing I can ask you, Matt, uh, do you drink more when you're doing a seven-round mock draft or when you put the seven-round mock, seven mock draft out and fans just destroy you for having a lack of understanding to their third-string linebacker situation? Like, what's, what's worse, the draft or the reaction to it? I stay off Twitter. Uh, I don't read my mentions this time of year uh, because it's just too dangerous. So, uh, And I, I, I love, like, the community that is the draft. I love talking with people who follow me, but this time of year, if I don't follow you, I'm not seeing your tweet. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not happening. There's just too much negativity out there, but trying to keep the body clean until after the draft. But Saturday night in Kansas city, I have a, a favorite spot that I will hopefully be at. And uh, if I can stay awake that long and we'll, we'll let the, let, you know, the moment wash over me then and try to enjoy what has been you know a fantastic year. I was impressed that you pronounced the name right for the young man from Kansas State. Fitz, draft night, that is your job. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, well, look, that is my job. And look, the number of videos I've had to go back to watch on some of these players, it is wild trying to get through. The thoughts and prayers for all of us trying to get through some of these pronunciations. Can I just get one Jeff Smith getting drafted? Just one. Just one Jeff Smith. Uh, Matt, I love the fact that you're going to relax post-draft uh, that way. I, I have already figured out the diner I'm going to that has massive, like, truck-sized ice cream. I'm just going to eat as much ice cream on Saturday as I possibly can because I'm a child. Uh, best of luck, Saturday, brother. We appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, good luck to you as well. All right, we're going to talk. We're poking a bear coming up next. Fitz and Harry.